I didn't write it down because I thought this placard on, my, on the podium here would help me remember, but I covered it with my Bible, so I didn't remember it for announcements. Okay, I have a graduation class of 2021, proudly announcing the graduation of Colin Michael Wallace from Newberry High School. There will be a graduation party on August 14th, 11 to 2 p.m. at 507 West Avenue B. Colin will be pursuing a trades career, and we will post this on the bulletin board back there. The 21st of August at 1 p.m. Open God's word with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 25. The Israelites are wandering through the wilderness. They've been out of Egypt for about a year now. And God is giving them instructions on all the pieces and parts of the tabernacle. In verse 10, it begins talking about the directions of the size, shape, and materials for the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13, Exodus chapter 25, verse 13. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be removed from it. Now turn with me, if you would, to Second Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts who is enthroned above the cherubim. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart... We didn't see anything in the instructions in Exodus about a cart. Anyhow, they placed the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it to the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Iel, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. And they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there." For his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. 
David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and that place is called Perur Uzzah to this day. So David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? I dare say that God's anger began building when they put that ark on a cart. That was not the instructions they were given. That was not how they were to transport the Ark of the Covenant. Then, as they're carrying it on the Ark, it begins to slide off the cart, or so Uzzah believes. And instinct, what any of us would do, we would go to push it back on the cart or to keep it from falling onto the ground, right? But we see here that God would rather have Uzzah's obedience and have that cart, the ark, touch the ground, but have Uzzah's obedience. Had they been following the instructions and four of the Levites were carrying the ark as they were supposed to, this would have never happened. Obedience, or excuse me, let me say that different, disobedience comes with a price. And and I've always, I'm with David in this case. It's like, but God, he he was trying to keep your ark from hitting the ground. Why? Why? Because he would rather have obedience. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 with me. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. We read this a few times in our path through, through our study in the book of Nehemiah. Hebrews 13, 15, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing so and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. He would rather have our praise to him than another lamb or goat or bull slaughtered and given as a sacrifice on the altar. He would rather have our praise to him. That is our sacrifice to him, is to worship and praise and exalt his name. Psalm 51. And then we'll get you to Nehemiah just in case you think we might not make it there today. We will. Psalm 51, beginning in verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. You, God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. 
The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a humble and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God cares more about our heart than he does sacrifice. You know, you always hear the little story about dad telling the little boy to to sit down. And he's just being stubborn. He won't. He says, sit down. And finally he plops himself down and he goes, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. How often do we do that in our relationship with God? When we should be obedient. When we should be of a broken spirit and a contrite heart. See, to be obedient, we have to be humble. And if we won't humble ourselves, God will humble us for us. He can do that. But he would much rather that we do it willingly. That we have a broken and a contrite heart. That we humble ourselves before him. That we become obedient to him. Because we love him. Because we show that that in our lives, we care more about him than we do about ourselves. Nehemiah chapter 13. This is our fourth week in this chapter. First verses four through nine, we talked about Eliashib giving Tobiah the room in the temple, Nehemiah coming back from Babylon and throwing him out. He had no right to be there. We've looked at the scripture where it says in Deuteronomy, it says that no Ammonite or Moabite should have any part of the temple or the, the house of God. And yet because of the, the mixed marriage relationship there, Tobiah, the high priest, Tobiah caved and gave a room in the house of God to a man that had no right even being in the city of Jerusalem. Verses 10 through 14. After that room was cleared out, Nehemiah took care of that problem. He grabbed, he took it by the throat as we remember our story about Ludwig von Beethoven pounding his fist on the piano when he was deaf and just being so angry and saying, I will grab life by the throat. He was not going to let his handicap define who he was. So Nehemiah grabbed this problem by the throat and he reinstalled the Levites and the singers where they belonged and then told the people to start bringing their offerings And they did. They once again began doing what they were supposed to do. And last week we talked about keeping the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, uh, we're, we're given the Ten Commandments. And the fourth one is to keep the Sabbath day holy. And that He, God, had created that day for a day of rest. That the people were to be obedient to that. And they weren't following that. The merchants were at the gate and they would come in and and sell and buy and trade. And even some of the Jews were 
doing stepping in the wine presses and, and working on the Sabbath when they were strictly commanded not to do that. They were not being obedient. They carried they cared more about the, the almighty buck than they did about being obedient to the Father. We know in God's word when he tells us something once, it's important. But when he tells it to us repeatedly, we really better sit up and take notice. So in Nehemiah chapter 13, I'm going to read verses 23 to the end of the chapter. In those days I also saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab. As for their children, half spoken the language of Ashdod, and none of them was able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of their own people. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet among the many nations there was no king like him, and he was loved by his God, and God made him king over Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign women caused even him to sin. Do we then hear about you that you have committed all this great evil by acting unfaithfully against our God, by marrying foreign women? Every, even one of the sons of Joadiah, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sambala to Hornite. So I drove him away from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I purified them from everything foreign and appointed duties for the priest and the Levites, each in his task. And I arranged for the supply of wood at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Father, we would ask that you would break our hearts. That we would be most concerned about you. Not about those around us, not even in the church. We need to put you first, Father. We need to be obedient to you and do what's right. So as we look at your word, give us understanding. Give us the strength to be obedient to you, Father, to you and you alone. Thank you for your word and thank you for Nehemiah's example. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Kings, chapter 11. First Kings 11, now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, 
Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. Maybe that word should be lust there. I don't know. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when it came about, when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away from other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God. Verse 6, And Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Verse 8, Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. He didn't finish well. For saying he was the wisest guy that ever lived, he sure ended up a fool. Verse 24, back in Nehemiah chapter 13. We've already shared with you the verses in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Go ahead and stay in Nehemiah 13. I'm going to read just a couple of those real quick. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. How many times in my life do I think I know better than God does? The story is told of a pastor who was a guest speaker at a summer Bible conference. And in one evening before the before the evening session of the conference. He and his wife were invited to the home of a husband and wife, and her father had been a very well-known Christian musician. He had passed, but obviously the the relationship was still well-known, who she was. And so the minister and his wife went and sat down to have dinner with them and they enjoyed good conversation about her dad's music and and their life and what it meant and and just you know casual talk becoming familiar with each other and then the conversation turned to the lord 
in the word of God. And the couple fell silent. They didn't have anything to say. As, as we might say, they didn't even know Christianese. Nehemiah 13.24 is for their children half spoke in the language of Ashdod and none of them was able to speak the language of Judah. A child mostly learns how to speak from their mother because that's normally usually who they spend the most time with. Not always, but usually. They spend more time with mom. So they learn from their mother how to speak. And when these Jews were marrying foreign women that didn't know Hebrew, didn't speak the language, what language did the children learn? They learned the language of their mother from a foreign country, a foreign land. And they did not learn the language of God's word. And that was the damage. Uh, Aside from the fact of disobedience, This is one of the reasons God said, don't do this. They didn't learn the language of God's words. In in our language, does anybody know, we we have expressions and idioms. Uh, Does anybody know what what the expression means uh, if I say, oh, I had to go out and around Robin Hood's barn? Does anybody know what that means? Okay, where I grew up, that was a very common expression, but you didn't grow up where I did, so you don't understand what that means. You probably have some similar sayings like that, that I, you, you'd say it and I'd look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? But you and your family understand it. It makes sense to you because you grew up with that. If these kids did not grow up knowing the Hebrew language, they would not understand the idioms or the sayings or the expressions of the Hebrew people. They would not understand. Language is is, uh, so so much of of who we are. And And I wish I could think of more off the top of my head. But we just think think of two, two, and two. In, in our language, the three different spellings of the word two, you say it the sound, but context is what gives it its meaning. I'm going to take two apples with me. I'm going to go to the store. Do you want to come too? To some foreigner, that is just, we, how in the world do you learn a language like that? Or no and no. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. If you know God, you can know peace. Somebody that doesn't speak our language, they're like, wait a minute, you you just said no and no, but it means this and it means that. So how much was lost in the translation for these children They could not speak Hebrew. How could they learn the law of God or participate in the ceremonies? All levels of thinking and expression 
that come with the Hebrew language are lost. They could no longer see the world in the biblical ways because they did not know or understand. That was the damage that was being done to the people. I mean, basically, okay, our our sin doesn't just affect us. It affects those around us. And aside from the simple fact of disobedience, when God said, don't do it, this is one of the consequences. And it's a dire consequence. Because it would only take one generation of children not learning Hebrew to wipe out the nation and its history, basically. The people of God are identified by their speech. First John chapter 4. This, this, I could read the whole chapter. There's so, such a wealth here. You are from God, verse 4, 1 John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And these are the five and six are the real reason I turn to 1 John. God's people and the people of the world are identified by their speech. Verse 5, they are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God's, excuse me, he who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us, By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How else are you able to discern right from wrong? You've got to speak the language. So that was a real problem. As for their children have spoken the language of Ashdod, none of them was able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of his own own people. I don't talk about a national crisis. They had one right here. And simply because they did not obey the word of God. <clears throat> turn And Nehemiah, turn back with me to chapter 10 for just a moment. Actually, let's look at the last verse of chapter 9. Verse 38, now because of all this, we are making an agreement in writing, and on the sealed document are the names of our leaders, our Levites, and our priests. Remember, 84 people signed that document. Verse 29, now let me go back, 28, 1028. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers of the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God. Their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who had knowledge and understanding are joining with their kingsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. 
which was given through Moses, God's servant, and to keep and to observe all the commandments of God, our Lord, and his ordinances and his statutes. Verse 3, And we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land to take their daughters or sons, our sons. Chapter 13, verse 25. Nehemiah says, So I contended with them and cursed them. He wasn't swearing or using God's name in vain. He was calling down on them the curse that they had committed to in chapter 10. He was calling the curse down on them because they did exactly what they said they weren't going to do. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair. Talk about grabbing life by the throat. And it was probably more literally the throat than you realize because in the Hebrew, and again, I don't know this because I don't know Hebrew, but I listen to the wise guys that know Hebrew so I can have a better understanding of this. When it says he pulled out their hair, he pulled it out from their beard. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. He went and walked around and he, and it says that the Hebrew word there means bald. He pulled it out until it was clean. It was bald. Ouch. Now most Jews, the Jewish men would have beards much longer than me, so there was something to grab onto. I can't, I can't imagine, you know, if I, if I get a, eyebrow that's real long and I get a tweezers and just even pluck one eyebrow it's like sometimes the eye will tear up and whatever that's one but he grabbed it by the throat and he ripped out their beards do we get angry enough about the sin in our own lives to do that ouch I don't get your attention I don't wake you up So I contended with them, cursed them, and struck some of them, and pulled out their hair, and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters. Now, now the title of our sermon is, Nehemiah Seeks Permanent Solutions. But there wasn't going to be anything permanent about it. Because it was just a year or two ago that they made this covenant, that they wouldn't do this. And why did they make that covenant? Because they had done it before that. And their fathers had done it. Even Solomon. Disobedient to God's words. How would y'all feel if I walked around pulling out hair out of people's heads? Off the top of your head, not even your beard. If I saw sin in your life. Or do it to each other if you see sin. Or do it to me if you see sin in my life. Get your hands off of me. <laughs> that would hurt. But it was meant to hurt. It was meant to get their attention. Because when they married these foreign women, you know, in, in you know, what do they say? Happy wife, happy life. 
Not sure I'd necessarily like that saying, but if you put it into the context here, it kind of makes sense. They wanted to keep their wife happy. When I was in ROTC, I uh, went to field training camp one summer out in South Dakota. And one of the other NCOs that worked with me, um, when, when you're together for six weeks, you get to know people. You work crazy hours. We worked 40 hours straight at the beginning of the camp, and we worked 40 hours around the clock straight at the end of camp to, to get paperwork done in that. But I had been at trainings with her in Alabama also before going. In the course of the conversation, she said that, that she had given up, I can't remember if it was Methodist or Lutheran, but she'd given up her faith to take the husband, the faith of her husband, which was Roman Catholic. And even though she didn't agree with the tenets of Roman Catholicism, she knew that there had to be unity in their family, or that would be a stress on the family and, and cause breakdown. I said, well, i got to give her that. She made the wrong decision, the wrong move, but in a way, in the human mind, that kind of makes sense. Because they, they wanted to provide a unified front to their kids. I said, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Because when you're divided, in, in, in what we were seeing here with Solomon... And in, in the nation of Israel, was that to keep their wives happy, they would worship their gods and let their gods into the house. That was no surprise to God. He knew that's what would happen. That's why he forbade it. Don't marry the foreign women. Again, it was nothing about race. It was all about spiritual purity. Wasn't he, he didn't want them to marry somebody from another land because of their skin color or because of their, their social status or whatever. It had everything to do with the heart. It had everything to do with who or which God are you going to worship? Are you going to worship the one true God of the universe? Well, when their nagging wife kept bugging them, they started worshiping their gods. The, the stone and the wood. The dead stone. And the dead would. And they turned their backs on the living God, the one true God. Verse 26, again, the sad story of Solomon. At the end of verse 26, nevertheless, the foreign women caused even him to sin. You know, you, you throw the one bad apple in a whole bushel full of good apples. Those good apples can try all their, their worth, and they're not going to make that bad apple good. So if a whole bushel full of apples can't make one bad apple good, what makes one good apple think that he could fix one bad apple? It doesn't work. Verse 27, Do we then hear about you that you have committed all this great evil by acting... And, and here is the key to the whole thing. Wasn't that God didn't want us to enjoy other cultures, to have wives with different skin color, with different backgrounds, whatever. But you did this great evil by acting unfaithfully against our God. 
How do you act unfaithfully towards your God in your life today? Eliashib's grandson married a daughter of Sambalat. Nehemiah says, so I drove him away from me. That Sambalat and Tobiah are going to be a nag in the side of the flesh right to the end. Nehemiah says, remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Don't Revenge is not ours. Revenge is evil. Vengeance is the Lord's. Vengeance is to carry out justice. And only the lawmaker can be the judge. And so Nehemiah goes to God and he says, God, do your work. I am not going to stand and judge these people. I'm not going to stand over them other than rip out their hair or their beards. But God, you need to work in their hearts. You need to change them. Remember them, oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I purified them from everything foreign and appointed duties for the priests and the Levites, each in his task, and I arranged for the supply of wood at appointed times and for the first fruits. Nehemiah didn't just create a void. We need to clean out the evil, but then we need to fill ourselves with the goodness of God. We need to fill ourselves with his word. And so he he set things in order. He, He made them right and taught the people what was right. And he concludes with, remember me, oh my God, for good. He wasn't looking for his neighbors or the priests or anybody to give him a pat on the the back. Any blessing he was to receive, he knew would come from God. So he said, remember me, oh my God, for good. If you look at Malachi, don't turn there now, but if you look at Malachi chapters 1 and chapter 2, you'll see that they went right back into it. Right back into their sin of marrying foreign women. And Malachi is just besides himself and giving him the warnings of what the results of their sin would be. A whole generation, and in you know, you you pull a toothpick out of the dam. You pull a few more toothpicks. Pretty soon, the dam's just going to give way. In our lives, little toothpick, little little thing. That's not a big deal. That's just a little something. That's not. Nobody's going to see that. Nobody's going to know about that. I can pull, yeah, just a little bit more. They had their problems because they acted unfaithfully against our God. Are you acting unfaithfully against God? 
has nothing to do with me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's about our relationship with Him. He is on the throne. He is God. He is the I am. The beginning and the end. What am I doing in my life that could possibly declare such a statement from Nehemiah that I would be acting unfaithfully against our God? I got to clean it up. I got to come to God and confess. I don't have to go to another human and confess. I don't I don't have to go every week and and visit and confess my sins to somebody because we have direct access to the Father. He made that happen for us when he died on the cross for us. We have direct access to him. I went through I, I love Blue Letter Bible uh, on the internet because several. you can get several different translations and you, you put a word in and it'll pull up every time in the Bible that word is mentioned. And I, I put the word obey in there. I came up with 17 pages worth. I'm going to read all 17 pages to you right now. I boiled it down to one and a quarter pages. And I'm not even going to read all of these, but I do want to read a few of them. I won't give you the references. If you want the references, see me afterwards. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by, by the obedience of one man, shall many be made righteous. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servant you are? Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command you. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandment, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. If you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies and an adversary unto your adversaries. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of your God. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heavens for multitudes, because you would not obey the voice of your God. Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken to the word of the Lord is more than the fat of rams. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Why don't we? Why don't we obey? The blessings are so much more wonderful than the curses that come with us letting ourselves reign over ourselves and commit sin. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? (laughs) Nature's got it figured out, and we don't. 
They were all amazed in so much as they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. What's our problem? Unclean spirits obey him. For the time has come the judgment. Okay, I'll give you this one. First Peter 4.17 For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what will the end be of them who do not obey the gospel of God? Aren't you thankful you know Jesus? What will the end be of them that do not obey the gospel of God? We, we have a mission to do, folks. We have a responsibility to share the gospel of God with those around us. If we don't do it, we lose our reward. Some of our rewards are gone because we don't share the gospel of Christ. And if you remember the verse in Matthew that says, if we do not confess the Father before men, Jesus Christ will not confess us before the Father. I think it was Augustine. No, it wasn't Augustine. It was a Catholic priest. I can't remember his name now, but he says... Testify to the neighbors, and if necessary, use words. That is so wrong. That is so, that, that's like it lets us off the hook. If I just live a good life, other people will see Christ in me. That's part of it, but that's a very small part of it. We need to use our language. We need to use our mouths. We need to tell people. Shirley and I, with putting the music together this week, we, we communicated, or at least we thought we did. And I flipped a couple things around, not in the way that she intended them to be. Fortunately, we had time this morning to communicate properly and put it back together. But we even speak the same language. And yet it's easy to... So, if people look at our lives, what do they see? We need to use our mouths. We need to confess the Father to people, to men, to those around us. Very clearly, very simply, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. That's the good news that we need to share. And in our lives, when I run into heaven, Nehemiah in heaven... I don't want him to be able to look at me and say, you acted unfaithfully against our God. I certainly don't want him to rip my beard out. No, I don't think that will be going on in heaven. But how are you living your life? What does God's words do in your life to make you different than the world? How does it change you? 
How will you be different next week than you are today in your walk with the Lord? Will you love him more or less? Will you be more faithful and more obedient to him or less? That's up to you. Father, thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for his willingness to stand for truth, to grab it by the throat, literally. Father, break our hearts. Help us to live obediently to you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we'll do 